Hi, this is Jeff Dixon, and I'm the pastor of Word of Life here in Miami, Oklahoma, and this is our podcast. I'm so glad you've chosen today to tune in to hear what God is speaking to us in the northeastern part of Oklahoma, and I hope it speaks to you as well. Enjoy. coincidence that we've engaged into the very presence of God in a way today to prepare our hearts to receive what he has for us. This message today is going to either frustrate you or encourage you. My prayer is that we sit on the encouragement side of this message. This message is going to leave us in a place of conviction where the Holy Spirit begins to ask us to do things um, internally to the area of repentance, to the area of just establishing more of his culture, love what he loves, hate what he hates in our lives. But it's powerful. We're going to hang out in Galatians chapter 5 today. Galatians chapter 5. You ever tried on to tried to hold on to something that wasn't yours? Someone that didn't belong? Relationship that wasn't appropriate? You tried to hang on to a lifestyle that was not part of God's plan for your life? See, the thing that I'm going to talk about today is making the fact that we hold on to something that is very strongly the will of God. But I love the fact that it's not his grip that we're holding on to. It's his grip that's holding on to us. Think about that. I I get the vision of the person hanging over the ledge of a tall building or over a a, a cliff, and they're holding on by one hand, and the person's like, don't let go, don't let go, don't let go. And the thing that I see is I see this... This hand, and, and Sean, reach out to me real quick, just a minute. And it's this grip. You know this grip? But here, Hold on for a minute. But the thing that, that we're going to talk about today is this grip. You see that visual? Is it sh- Sean, let go. I still got you firmly, don't I? Sorry to cut off all the blood to your, fa- your hand there. Um, so we've got to get to a place that the things that we hold on to, we let go of and allow him to hold on to us in a way that keeps us and sustains us within his presence. Think about that. So Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Such a powerful opening line here in this very first sentence. It says, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Why did Christ set us free? For the purpose of freedom. He didn't set us free so that we wouldn't uh, do this or that we wouldn't walk this way or live this way. He didn't set us free even so that we would engage with him in a specific way other than he set us free for the sake of freedom. And then after the semicolon, there's this stand firm therefore. And I love this. Do not submit again to the yoke of freedom or the yoke of slavery. Got to read it right. So we got this picture Christ has set me free. 
I'm going to stand firm in that freedom, and I'm no longer going to return to the yoke of slavery. Verse 2 says, look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. Think about that for a minute. And he's not necessarily talking, i got to be careful with this phrase, about lacking something in your manhood. We'll leave it right there. He's talking about this, you either follow the law and everything, or you follow grace. I'm going to get there in just a minute. But he says, if you accept circumcision, you're obligated to keep the whole law. If you accept the fact that you have to be a certain way to be holy, if you accept the fact that I have to do something physically within myself in order to gain holiness, I have to follow it all. Holiness is either all or nothing. You are either holy or you are not. He says, if you take this path towards holiness by following the external measures of what uh, Moses laid out to be what holy is, you have to do it all. Is that you with me? And then it goes on, say, says in verse 4, you are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. Wait a minute. So if I go towards justification by the measure of the law, it's a separation from Christ, taking away what he has done for me in order for me to have holiness. The Bible says very clearly, none of us is holy, no, not one. None of us is righteous. Verse 5, for through the Spirit... Can you shut the back door, please, so that it maintains cool in here? Uh, For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, comma, but only faith working the truth. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? You were doing well. What happened? Who got involved and began to speak to you in things that deviated your attention from the truth is what he's saying here. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. You're being persuaded by something that wasn't intended to persuade you, he's saying. and It wasn't me. It wasn't God who called this. He says, but then a little leaven leavens the whole lump. It doesn't take much. It doesn't take much outside influence to cause you to be completely outside. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. Verse 10, I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But I, brothers, still preach circumcision. Hmm. Why am I still being persecuted? He's looking at these guys and he's saying, I still preach what you've done. I haven't come out and said you can't. I'm just saying you probably can't, right? Because he said either you have the whole law or you have none of the law. In this case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettled you would emasculate themselves. Wow. For you were called to freedom, brothers. You were called in this place to freedom. What am I called to? I don't know what my calling is. I don't know what my purpose is. Your calling and your purpose is to freedom. I don't know what that looks like. Well, it's an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, 
serve one another. So I was called to freedom. I can choose to follow after the flesh in freedom, or I can choose to love and serve one another. This is freedom. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. So they're, they're contrasting, they're, they're this opposing forces to one another. They don't walk in alignment. They walk in absolute, um, they just hate each other. But if you were led by the Spirit, you're not under the law like that. How do we avoid having to follow the law? You know, a couple weeks ago I talked about freedom comes when we know our limitations based on what the law gives us. But I'm going to take it the next level and say, honestly, that if we understand what some of the laws and the rules are, that's great. But really, if we are led by the Spirit then we don't need all of those things to set us free. We don't need to worry about what sin is because if I'm led by the Spirit, how can I be led into sin? If I'm walking according to the Spirit of God and His direction, if I'm hanging out in the tent, so to speak, I cannot get outside of the protection of that. I don't need the protection of the law. I just need Jesus. And then he goes on to say, now, the works of the flesh. Let's find out what they are. Well, they're evident. So this is how you know if you're walking outside of the Spirit. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, which is an extreme hatred, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, Orgies and things like this. Wow, they, they hold, does not hold back anything here, does he? I warn you as I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against all of these, there is no law. Bless you. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Father God, I thank you for your word today. Lord, I pray as I uh, talk and and, uh, eliminate some of this from your word, Lord, I pray they would be straight from the throne room of God, that we would be encouraged and challenged to live more for you, that our lives would never be the same. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name. So I'm going to just look today, and and, and I'm going to try to do this this, this is a lengthy one. I'm going to try to do it, though, without everybody's butts getting tired in these plastic hard chairs. But I want to look at five observations to keeping your freedom. Keeping your freedom. Now, freedom, I've just gone over this whole list of what you can and can't do. How is that in line with freedom? Well, I'm going to now go and look at the same chapter in, in Galatians chapter 5 and read these verses from the Passion Translation perspective. Uh, and we're going to pull out some ideas and some things, and we're going to discover what, uh, what, is we, what we are called in order to, or how we're called in order to live in freedom. First one, first observation in keeping your f- uh, freedom, we read all through this, is just simply stay submitted to 
Christ. Submission is a hard thing for us to grasp because we're taught from an early age in the secular society that the United States has become to do it my way, to be independent. I'm an independent person. You can't tell me what to do. I'm going to do it my way. What I think is good is all that matters and what I think is bad is all that matters. But really, there's no bad. That's what the secular society says today. That's what's wrong with our world today is we become a secular, secularist-focused society. And I'm not getting political at all. I'm here just to say outside of that, there, there is, when you're in that realm, there is no submission to anything but yourself. And when you're only submitted to yourself, then it's your flesh that gets to have control and rule. You get to say things like, well, it doesn't matter what I do, God loves me anyway. Well, yes, that's true, but you don't use that as a phrase to justify the sin that's within you. Follow me? We've got to stay submitted to Christ. And look at this, Galatians 5, verse 1, the Passion says, Let me be clear, the anointed one has set us free. No partiality, but completely and wonderfully free. We must always cherish this truth, and listen to these words, and stubbornly refuse to go back into the bondage of our past. So in line with this staying submitted to Christ, the the way we do that is first we cherish truth. The Bible says through Jesus, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the truth. And so how do we submit to him? We cherish him. Think about the, those people in our lives that we have cherished, that no matter what they could say, there was nothing they could say to us that would cause us to be offended, but we'd hang on everything that they said and actually apply those things to our lives. The wisdom that we begin to cherish, especially in older people in our lives. Grandparents, fathers, mothers, uh, aunts, uncles, we all have that person in our life that we cherish, and therefore we would listen. They're that person that could sit down next to us and point their finger in our face and point that exact sin that we're doing And instead of being offended, we would make changes. Do you know what I'm saying? See, we've got to cherish truth. We have to cherish Jesus. And the real big thing is in staying submitted to Christ, we see this right where it says, refuse to go back into the bondage of our past. Don't go back. Listen, if he sets you free, he sets you free. Don't return back to your vomit like a dog returns to his. Don't go back to the past. Continue to move forward, continue to advance. The Bible is very clear that the kingdom of God is advancing. And use this word, it's forcefully advancing. The kingdom of God does not retreat. It is always moving forward. It is always moving forward. Don't go back. Refuse to go back to the bondage of your, of your past. This is ways that we stay submitted to Christ. And then we're going to look at this next observation, and that is keep the faith. Keep the faith. Verse 2, I, Paul, tell you, if you think there is a benefit of circumcision in Jewish regulations, then you're acting as though Jesus, the anointed one, is not enough. Isn't that cool? Talk about the clarity that this brings to the scripture. I say it again, emphatically, if you let yourselves be circumcised, you are obligated to fulfill every single one of the commandments and regulations of the law. If you want to be made holy by fulfilling the obligations of the law, you have cut off more than your flesh. You've cut yourself from the anointed one and have fallen away from the revelation of grace. But the Holy Spirit convinces us. We have received by faith the glorious righteousness of the anointed one. 
How do we receive the glorious righteousness? The righteousness that he has given us, how do we receive it? By faith. We've got to keep the faith. And then in verse 6 it says, When you're placed into the anointed one and joined to him, circumcision and religious obligations can benefit you nothing. Rituals don't matter. What I do to my body doesn't matter. I am strictly connected to Jesus. And all that matters now is living in the faith, say faith, that is activated and brought to perfection by love. So the first thing that we've got to do in keeping the faith is we've got to keep it activated. We've got to keep it activated. That's why I think that the word for this year being manifestation and why we had to go back to it for a few weeks is this idea, this remembrance of having something of faith in our lives. Now, in context of this scripture, we have faith in Jesus to become our righteousness, not my actions, not my cutting away, not my mutilation, not my anything. It is completely and, and totally upon Jesus. And the way I have righteousness is because I have faith in him to make me righteous. I have faith in him to make me right. And the thing that that deals with all of this, it is so hard to stay focused on Jesus without this last bit. And that is, if you see, it was perfected by love. In keeping faith, we've got to stay in perfect love. Stay in perfect love. He is perfect and he loves Perfectly. I love my children, but I love them imperfectly. Through my love, oftentimes I give them things that are for their harm. Can we say spoiled children? There are things that we just give our kids, sometimes to appease them. Sometimes it's because I love them so much, I want to give them everything. But in so doing, it's still an imperfect love. But Jesus has a perfect love for us. So perfect that he made the way in which we can now enter into the tent, into the presence of God, into his very exchange of back and forth interaction because when he looks at us, he sees Jesus upon us, not the circumcision that we once had. He sees Jesus upon us, not the works that we set out to do. Listen, it's not about being good. It's about being in God. It's not about performing. It's about presenting Yourself to God. Are you with me? It's not about action. It's about surrender. It's not about what I can do. It's everything about what he has already done. Now, there's an outward expression that comes upon us that is definitely evident in those that are submitted to Christ by faith. We're going to look at that. Number three observation is we've got to limit outside influence. Say others, outside influence, any outside influence. Now that doesn't mean I need to go lock myself in a room and never leave. It doesn't mean that I need to quit being around other people. It just means what do I allow to influence me? What do I allow to influence me? Verse 7 says, before you were led astray, you were so faithful to the Messiah. Why have you turned away from what is right and true? And he nails it with this next question. Who has deceived you? It's kind of like going back, and you hear me do this. It's amazing how everything goes back to the garden. When Adam and Eve are hidden after eating of the fruit, and God looks at them, and he says, Who told you you were naked? 
Who told you you were other than what I called you to be? And in this set of circumstances, there's somebody that's come in and that has sent deceit into them. And he simply says, who did this? Verse 8, the one who enfolded you into his grace is not behind this false teaching that you've embraced. Not at all. Don't you know that when you allow even a little lie into your heart, it can permeate the entire belief system? One little lie can turn you so far from God. And you don't even know it oftentimes. Deep in my heart, I have faith that the Lord Jesus, the anointed one who lives in you, will bring you back around to truth. I'm convinced that those who agitate you, whoever they think they are, will be brought under God's judgment. Dear friends, why do you think the religious system persecutes me? Because I preach a message of being circumcised circumcised and keeping all the law of Judaism. So that's this question. Is it because I preach these things? No, not at all. Is there no longer any offense over the cross? To tell you the truth, I am disgusted with all of your agitators. I wish they would go even further and cut off their legalistic influence upon your lives. And how do we limit others' influences in our lives? Number one, we have to align with the right kind of people, with like-minded people. We've got to align with people of the kingdom of God. Who are you aligning yourself with arm in arm? Who are you linking arms with? Who are you willing to go to jail with or for? We have got to align with the right people that are going to cause us to live in the place of faith and righteousness only supplied by Jesus Christ. And if they deviate from that truth, they're not the right person to align with. And the, and the second thing is we've got to cut off legalistic influences. You see, so many times we think, I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do that, I can't do this, therefore why do I even try? Really, if we just say yes to Jesus, those I can't do's don't even become options. Therefore, we're saying no to nothing. We're only saying yes to Jesus. You see, as long as we have to say no to things, we can't fill it with the yes to Christ because we're so focused on the no. I think going back again to the garden, uh, God said, you shall not eat. Eve said, I shall not eat or touch. We add restrictions by saying no. We set ourselves in freedom by saying yes to the only influence, his name is Jesus Christ. And this one's huge, number four. We've got to avoid the grave of cravings. Thank you for that phrase, Vanessa. She's going to write a book about this someday, and I'm only going to hint on a a little bit of revelation from this phrase, grave of cravings today. Uh, The first thing I want to let you know is cravings lead to death, or they lead to life. What do you crave? What do you crave? You allow your flesh to rule what you crave. Listen, right now I'm going through a fleshly place where I crave ice cream. I crave cookies. I crave sugar. I crave things that are affecting me negatively. If you saw me three months ago and saw me now, you'd know something's changed in this boy's body because I'm craving things that are negatively affecting me. But what happens if I get into this vein? There's, there's this time when, when things you want to begin to crave low-fat items. I actually crave broccoli and grilled chicken. Grilled chicken's a good thing to crave. I crave things that are better for my body. And so we've got to look at this in context of the scripture. He goes on to say, beloved ones, God has called us to live a life of freedom in the Holy Spirit. What has he called you to do? Live a life of freedom in the Holy Spirit. How do we do that? By saying yes to Jesus. We don't have to say no to the flesh because by saying yes to Jesus, the flesh is being pushed away. But don't view this wonderful freedom as an opportunity to set up a base of operations in the natural realm. 
Just think about that. We're, we're set free in the Holy Spirit, but don't look at these freedoms to allow you to do things that are contrary. He's saying, I'm not giving you restrictions on how to live. I'm telling you to live in the Holy Spirit. You won't need restrictions, but if you begin to go back to these things, if you go back to these restrictions, then you're not going to be able to do it. If you say uh, yes to Jesus, I want to live in your presence. The Bible says don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. So if I focus on the being filled with the Holy Spirit, I don't return back to the drunkenness of my past. Now, I'm not here to, to have a debate over alcohol or anything like that. I'm just saying you are either full of the Spirit or you're full of the flesh and there's no middle ground. You're one or the other. Freedom means that we become so completely free of self-indulgences that we become servants of one another, expressing love in all that we do. Four, love comes, or love completes the law of God, and all the, the law can be summarized is in one statement this: demonstrate your love to your neighbor as if you care for your and love for yourself. But if you continue to criticize and come against each other over minor issues, you're acting like wild beasts trying to destroy one another. Look at the minor issues that we allow to separate us. But if you continue to criticize, now verse 16 says, as you yield freely and fully to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit, you will abandon, listen to this, the cravings of yourself. You will abandon the cravings of your self-life. For yourself, life craves the things that offend the Holy Spirit, to hinder Him from living free within you. And the Holy Spirit's intense cravings hinder your old self. So what do we crave? We have intense cravings for the Holy Spirit. We hinder the old self-life, which is what we want, right? But if we crave things that are contrary, if we crave things that offend the Holy Spirit, then it leads to a place of absence of the Holy Spirit in our life. So then, the two incompatible and conflicting forces within you are your self-life of the flesh and the new creation life of the Spirit. But when you are brought into the full freedom of the Spirit of grace, you you will no longer be living under the domination of the law, but soaring above it. Now, the cravings of the self-life are obvious. It goes into this this list of sexual immorality, immorality, lustful thoughts, pornography, chasing after things instead of God, manipulating others, hatred of those who get in your way, senseless arguments, resentment when others are favored, temper, tantrums, angry quarrels, only thinking of yourself, being in love with your own opinions, being envious of the blessings of others, murder, uncontrolled addictions, wild parties, and all other similar behavior. Haven't I already warned you that those who use their freedom for these things will not inherit the kingdom realm of God? You can do those things, but you do those without my presence. Now, this takes me, though, to a very vivid story found in the Old Testament in Numbers chapter 11. Numbers chapter 11, we've got some hangry people. It's the only way I know to describe it. They're tired of eating manna. God's given them this perfect source of all the nutrition they ever need. Falls as the dew every morning. They have plenty, all that they want. It is in no way or shape harmful to their body. They can eat as much as they want, and it gives them everything they need. All perfect nutrition got nothing else. Nothing else in their minds. They've become bored with God's perfect. And in verse 1 it says, And the people complained in the hearing of the Lord about their misfortunes. And when God heard it, his anger was kindled, and the fire of the Lord burned among them, consuming some outlying parts of their camp. 
Then the people cried out to Moses, and Moses prayed to the Lord, and the fire fell down, so that the name of the place was called Tabera, because the fire of the Lord burned among them. Now, the rabble that was among them had strong, had a strong craving. And the people of Israel also wept again and said, Oh, that we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt that cost nothing, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now our strength is dried up, and there is nothing at all but this manna to look at. See, they began to not realize the perfection that God had given them. They began to think of the past that they once had. Listen, they were focused on the food and forgot about the slavery. But when we focus on the self-indulgences of the past, it only leads to slavery. But when we focus on the perfect gift that God has given us, it leads to pure freedom. And so God says, fine, I'm going to give in to their cravings, and I'm going to send them quail. Now some people are like, yeah, man, quail. So much of it that they become sick of it. And in in same uh, chapter uh, 11 of Numbers, in verse 31, after all this has happened, these exchanges back and forth, the grumbling of the the Israelites, uh, the, the desire to go back to the past, God's given them the quail, and it says, Then a whirlwind for the Lord sprang up, and it brought quail from the sea. And it let, and it let them fall beside the camp. And out a day's journey on this side, and a day's journey on the other side around the camp, and about two cubits above the ground. There's a lot of quail coming in. And the people rose all day and all night, and all the next day and gathered the quail. Those who gathered least gathered ten homers, and, those, and they spread them out for themselves all around the camp. Well, the meat was yet between their teeth, before it was consumed, the anger of the Lord was kindled against the people, and the Lord struck down the people with very, with a very great plague. Therefore, the name of that place was called, some word I'm not going to pronounce, because they buried the people who had the craving. This grave of craving, we've got to avoid this past craving. From this Kibof, uh, the people journeying to Hezron, and they remained there at Hezroth. Makes me think of Romans six fifteen through twenty five, and we'll just look at that real quick. I don't have it here. Romans six. I know I'm going a little bit long today, but this is just it's good, at least for me. Romans six, uh, chapter six, verse fifteen says, "What then?" Are we to sin because we are under the law and under grace? By no means do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the, of the one whom you obey, either of sin which leads to death or obedience which leads to righteousness. But thanks to be to God that, who, that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed and have having been set free from sin, having become slaves of righteousness, I'm speaking in human terms, because your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. For when you are slaves of sin, you are free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. 
now that you've been set free from sin and have become slaves of God. The fruit you get leads to sanctification. It's and eternal life. Verse 23 is the key. It says, for the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. What do you crave? What do you crave? You have got to avoid. You've got to stay away from the cravings of the flesh. And we can look at these things and we talk about sins of chastity, uh, which were all of those sexually rated things, and sins of religion, idolatry, witchcraft, heresy, sins against charity. These are the things like hatred or enmity, debate, emulations, anger, uh, contention, seditions, all these hard words that are beyond my standard vocabulary, but these things that are are definitely a craving that we don't need to have. These things that, have you ever just hated someone you wouldn't do anything for them? Listen, that is not of the things of God. And then you've got sins against temperance. This is drunkenness, gluttony. Oh, Jesus. We may use meat and drink not only for necessary, but also for delight. Think about those things. So we've got to avoid the grave of cravings. It leads to death. We can crave the life of God, Jesus, which leads to eternal spending with him. And then the last observation, I know we're there already. Last observation is a decision you must make. It goes back to freedom. It's not freedom if you don't personally make the choice. You don't make it because I've stood up here and I've talked about it. You don't make a decision because your arm's twisted behind your back and you think it's the only way to keep from going to hell. You make the decision because you want God's best for your life. You must make the decision. And it goes on, it says, The fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love as it is in all its varied expressions. Joy, listen to this, that overflows. Sign me up for that, right? How many of you want overjoying flow, flow, overflowing joy? That, that was awesome. Overjoying Floyd. Yes. <laughs> overflowing joy. Peace that subdues. Patience that endures. Thank you, Jesus, for that with me and my kids. Kindness in action. A life full of virtue. Faith that prevails. Gentleness of heart. Strength of spirit. Never set the law above these qualities, for they are meant to be, look at that word, limitless. Keep in mind that we who belong to Jesus, the anointed one, have already experienced crucifixion. He's already done it. We've already had that crucifying action in our lives where everything connected with our self-life was put to death on the cross and crucified with the Messiah. Verse 25 says, we must live. You hear that? We must. There's a choice there. This is where it comes to the decision that you must make. You must live in the Holy Spirit and follow after him. So may we never be arrogant, look down on another, for each of us is an original Here's the second part of that choice. We must forsake all jealousy that diminishes the value of others. It's a decision that you must make. And I choose today, Lord, to submit to you. Lord, it's not about being joyful. It's about being in your presence and I have joy. It's not about being a person of peace. It's about being in your presence and then I find peace that passes all understanding not about patience. It's not about praying, God, make me patient. It's about, God, make me more like you. Let me be in your presence. It's not kindness. I don't have to seek kindness. I seek you, and kindness is part of me. Lord, if I seek the law and to do right, I will only fail. 
but if I seek you in love, I become. I love the theme that says I'm not saved by what I do, but yet let what I do show that I am saved. But better than that is I'm not saved by what I do, but Lord, let me pursue you and salvation shall be seen. My only response, my only responsibility, my only action is to love you, to pursue you. And when I do that, and I, if I do that daily, if I pursue you, God, I know I'm going to fail. I'm going to have moments. But Lord, if my desire is pursuit of you completely, then in you, it's easy. I keep freedom. <laughs> well, I sure hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. If it has blessed you, please click the subscribe, leave some feedback. Uh, should you want to contribute towards this ministry and all that we're doing in northeastern Oklahoma, feel free to go to our website, wlmiama.com. That's W-L-M-I-A-M-I.com. Click on the Give tab, and it'll walk you through some steps right there. God bless you, and until next time.